y'all. It's your host, Avery Carl. Welcome to the short-term show special episode series on Scottsdale, Arizona. So in these 10 episodes, we are going to take a deep dive into the Scottsdale market, but I want to note a couple of things for you guys first. So if you are looking for current income numbers and current purchase prices, or you want to set up a search of Scottsdale properties, you can do that at our website, theshorttermshop.com. You can also connect with us there to get connected with our Scottsdale agents or any of our other markets, any agents in the other markets that we work in. So hope you guys enjoy our Scottsdale mini series and we'll catch you guys later. Be sure to join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same title as my book. And we'd love to connect with you there as well. Thanks guys, let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Show special episode series on Scottsdale. We've got a very cool panel today. We're going to talk about numbers. We're only going to talk about income numbers right now. We have a separate episode for expenses. So between these two episodes, then you'll be able to you know, have the full picture of what it looks like, what you're going to make on the income side and what you're going to spend on the expenses side. So we have Leslie and Jessica, who you guys are very familiar with at this point in the series, our agents in the Scottsdale market. And we also have Erica Muller from Vrolio. Erica, do you want to introduce yourself really quick and tell them a little bit about your data tools so they kind of understand what we're looking at today? Hi, everyone. So I'm Erica Muller. Um, I've been an agent for 22 years, also a data scientist building tools for investors. Um, I have a background in commercial real estate and short-term rentals for 17 years. But So the data tool we're going to be working off of today is our B2B tool. Um, it's not actually accessible to the on the user-facing level. It's for realtors, mortgage brokers, appraisers, et cetera. Um, but we're going to be looking at the cleanest data in the industry, analyzing the market from um, that perspective in terms of high earners versus low earners, the um, you know average gross income, things like that. And if you have more questions about how to get access to this data, you could talk to Avery um, after this podcast because she can get you connected to that. All right. So I think we're ready to just dive right in. Let's hear what you found about this market, Erica. Um, I guess I we'll let you start where you want to start. You drive. Okay, great. Um, so first and foremost, I want to say how much I do love this market, even just personally being there quite a few times. Um, it's such a great market to go year round. There's always stuff happening there. And I want to actually start with somewhere a point that I don't normally start with, which is the tourism numbers. And that kind of supports what I'm saying is that um, this is one of those markets where you don't have to worry about if people are going to come back, if tourism is going to kind of bounce back after COVID, because we're almost back to those pre-COVID numbers. Um, and when 2023's reports come out, I'm sure we'll see that. So definitely a strong market in terms of, am I going to have enough people coming here in the future? Um, absolutely. I like to start these calls off with where are the top earners? And we're starting the market with Scottsdale. Now, one thing I want to say about this data is that any data, um, whether it's our data or any source that you're using, is that if you're not paired with a knowledgeable agent in your market who understands the market and can fill in the gaps that in the data, because there's no data in the world that knows the market like the agent, um, and can answer these questions that the data is going to drive, then you're missing the point of using data. So we could talk about this all day long, but we have two great agents here on the call as well that we're gonna that's gonna um, we're gonna kind of go back and forth, and I'm gonna ask questions, and they can kind of fill me in. So I like to start that by 
first looking at where's all my high earners, right? Um, because as an agent, we only want to sell you top earners. Um, but as an investor, we also only want to buy top earners or buy something we could turn into a top earner. So to know where they are is the very first thing. So just digging into this, there's a lot of that in Scottsdale. Scottsdale definitely has a ton of top earning opportunity here. Um, and I, I'd love for you ladies to tell me a little bit more about this cluster that's happening right here along this South Scottsdale Road. Um, and this North, it looks like North Hayden Road, because I see a ton of top earners just in this like cluster right across here. Um, I'd like to know what's going on here because this is kind of where they're all located. One sec. Let me just interject really fast. So those of you who are listening on audio only podcast, if you head over to our YouTube channel, you can see Erica is sharing her screen uh, with her data tool. So be sure to check that out. But we are going to narrate this so you can understand this. Also, just if you're listening in your car, go ahead, guys, to answer her question. Great. So that specific area, like you mentioned, is the South Scottsdale area. So that's pretty much the heart of you know, old town arts. It's kind of it's kind of like central to where the stadium is. I'm kind of yeah, there it is, Scottsdale Stadium. So restaurants, shopping, um, that particular area is um in a location that, you know, walking distance, taking um the motorized scooters, you know, carts, all of the easy access places where you don't technically have to drive a lot of um, walking capability from one spot to another. Um, it's super popular for, you know, like bachelor or bachelorette type style properties or setups to accommodate those people, you know, looking to, to come for celebrations of that sort. Um, and so that's kind of like what I'm seeing in, in the areas that you're zooming in, why they, okay, great. they're yeah. probably the most popular. Because it looks like there's this centennial or centennial golf club. And mm -hmm. over here, there's so much high earning activity. Is there a golf niche here for people coming yes. on trips? Okay, great. That makes a lot of sense because there's a play here, obviously, um, on this in the South Scottsdale area, right on this. Um, it looks like the east side of this content continental. Oh, it's Continental Golf Club. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on. But yeah, here on the east side of the Continental Golf Club, um, looks like there's a lot going on. Do do you ladies think that there's opportunity over here? I don't know these neighborhoods, but are they kind of like HOA communities or tell me a little bit about them? Um, it's a mix. So Scottsdale is a very, very large city, but it's hit and miss as to what neighborhoods um you know, have an HOA versus the ones that don't, you're probably going to find an easier time non-HOA communities in South Scottsdale because it is more of a historical area. Um, and so HOAs aren't necessarily present or as present as they are when you venture more north. Okay, great. Um, another thing I wanted to jump to before we get into some numbers, and I know we've got a little bit of time. So um, there's this like Echo Canyon recreation area right here. Yeah. And I see some activity happening around there. Is That looks like it might be kind of a unique stay um, what's happening over here by this canyon area? Because we've got top earner activity happening. Yeah. So that is kind of more, you know, zoning in on Paradise Valley area. Those mm -hmm. properties likely are a little bit more um, higher end uh, luxury, probably more oh, yeah. higher cost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, right. <laughs> that's more, that's closer to the Paradise Valley Probably bordering um, the Biltmore area as well. If it's in Scottsdale or like Phoenix Edge, it's probably like the Biltmore Arcadia area, which again could be very pricey as in a purchase price. But but they are you know 
mountain views and things like that. These are incredible. Those of you that are listening, I am looking at some of the most beautiful properties I think I've ever seen. They are up on like a canyon side overlooking this whole entire valley. Um, and it's just stunning. I mean, these are gorgeous luxury properties here. I know not everybody is looking to pick up a luxury property, but if it was me and I had that budget, I'd be calling you up right now wanting to know, like, can I go look at these? Because they're absolutely gorgeous. Okay, great. So let me just jump out of the map real quick and let's look at some numbers. So we're going to go ahead and jump over to the incomes and Kind of looking at the income, I see that you know we have we have a decent amount of income coming out on these smaller properties. Um, under two bedrooms, you're about like thirty grand a year in gross income. We start to jump up into the four bedrooms at forty five, but I really see a huge shift going from a five bedroom to a six bedroom, um, where in the fives we're looking at about seventy four thousand on average into the sixes at 121,000. Now this is average. I'm not looking at just the top earner income that would obviously be higher, um, but we're gonna look at the averages for now. But then we jump over to the nine bedrooms and there's like a massive increase in income um, from 206 in the eights to 291 in the nines. So just asking you ladies a little bit about this, um, you know, it, it's seeming like if someone had a budget for a larger property here for a single family, they might want to be considering these seven, eights, and nines because, um, from a gross income perspective, they seem to be driving really high numbers that could support multiple purchasing scenarios. And I didn't even know you had 15 bedrooms, but there's <laughs> something going on here with the 15 bedroom. Can we talk about that? That might, my guess is that would be like those bigger, larger luxury properties that are. I have a, I have one question. So I want to look at after we talk about this for a second, the, the top earners only as well, because when you've got the all percentiles and I know it's just kind of how it sorts, but uh, you know, there's always going to be those, I, I would say 30 to 50%, depending on what market you're in of just kind of like junky listings of like, you know, people that aren't trying that have things slapped up that stuff, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, where they're just kind of bad listings. So when I'm looking at it, like a true average of a market, I expect a well-managed property not, I'm not saying it has to be like in the top earners, in the highest earners, but I do expect it to be quite a bit higher than what the true average of the market is, just because every market, especially markets that have a ton of rentals, have a ton of those just kind of like junk listings towards the bottom of the market. Okay. So super interesting. And while you were talking, I did switch that over. And um, I do think we have an outlier in the two bedrooms. So I'm going to kind of ignore that one. But I switched over to the high earners. And I do see a very similar pattern. I don't see a huge shift in the income when I switched over to the high earners. So what that would tell me in some markets, we do see a drastic difference, but what that's kind of telling me is that a lot of these properties are operating on the higher side already. Um, and that Scottsdale might just be a higher standard market because the income doesn't seem to increase too much. It actually fluctuates a little bit more by bedroom size, but you still have these seven plus bedrooms as the top or the top performing. I don't want to look at this too, because sometimes in MLS, people will list um, a property incorrectly and it causes an anomaly in, in the data. So when you see like a huge jump here in a two with that kind of income, um, what we usually think is that that either was incorrectly added to the MLS or incorrectly added to um, Airbnb or one of the OTAs. So we don't like to say like, that's actually going to be that. Um, so it's probably going to follow this this pattern of like going from a three steadily up. But the, the income on these properties, these smaller properties is more. So when we switch to the high earners, 
even though the larger properties don't seem to like increase too much in income, which means that standard's probably just higher, the standard is raised a lot on these smaller properties. So I would say this so is- So what is that gross income showing just for the people who are listening only okay. on like a three to five bed? What does your data yeah. say? The data is showing for a three bedroom, 118,000 in revenue. And it's it's slowly going up to 126 in the four bedroom, 138,000 in the five bedroom, and then 146,000 in the six. Then we jump up to 239 in the seven. So there's a massive increase from a six to a seven. But under a six, we have this steady climb of income, which is much higher numbers than as a top earner than you were getting as a low earner. So um, that was smart, Avery, to switch to that because even though we didn't see a huge difference in the top in the larger ones, we did see a massive increase in the smaller ones. So that kind of leads me to think that if you could pick up a smaller property um, in this market, and I, I don't even know, I'm not going to talk about price, but if whatever you pick it up for, um, you can do pretty well if, if you can get it to the standard of a top earner. And you know, the standard of a top earner there, I, I think we've kind of looked at a few of them. They're pretty amazing in Scottsdale. So let's jump, unless we have more questions about that, I was going to jump to market saturation. So I do want to go back to all percentiles here so we could talk a little bit about how saturated um, each product is. So when I talk about market saturation, for those of you listening, um, I want you to understand that there's no, it's not bad to buy in a saturated market. And I'm not saying Scottsdale is or isn't. I mean, there's a lot of markets across the country with a lot of short-term rentals. Um, but the big thing you want to look at is not, oh, is the market itself saturated? Because that's really not going to tell you much because if there's a demand, you're going to need that inventory, right? So let's just throw that out the window for those of you that have like saturation sensitivities. Um, we always want to look at what's the most saturated product in any market, whether it's a saturated market with a lot of inventory or a smaller market. Um, we don't want to buy the most saturated product. So what I'm seeing here is that in this market, the most saturated product um, really is those four bedroom single family homes. They're making up about 30% of the inventory in Scottsdale. So with that being said, I would you know, you can still be successful with the right team and management company in a four bedroom, but if you can avoid competing with 30% of the market, you probably should. Um, the three bedrooms, you know, they do have more competition as well. They're going to be about 23% of the market, but that's still better than 30. If you jump to a five bedroom, um, now you're going down in competitive from a competitive anal analysis perspective to only 13% competition. And everything above that it just has very, very little competition in the market. Um, and then everything below a two bedroom has very little competition in the market. So what I'm saying here is you can do a three or a four, nothing wrong with that. Just understand that in a four is your most competitive product. That means most people have that. Um, but they're still top earners that are four bedrooms and there's still top earners that are three bedrooms. You just have to get it right. If you get one of those type of properties, you have to really get it right and make sure you're operating at the top of the market. Um, would you ladies agree that the market has a lot of three and four bedrooms? Like I know you probably sell all different types of products. What are your feelings about these three and four bedrooms in the Scottsdale area? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Um, I see more three and four bedrooms than any other option. So seeing the data kind of you know, the light goes off. No wonder why five bedrooms are hard to come by, but when a five bedroom comes across, um, the numbers seem to be a little bit better in terms of, you know, what you can make and how much you can rent it out for and things like that. Great. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, that's definitely um, makes sense because the data supports that as well. When we look at the fives, there's an increase. Um, you kind of jump from 45,000 in a four bedroom. And again, we're we're at averages right now. We're not looking at top earners, but there is a massive increase on average when you go up to that five. And again, remember, we looked at those high earning three bedrooms and four bedrooms and the, the increase in income as a high earner is massive. So don't discount those smaller properties. Um, there's a lot that you can do with those as well uh, in any budget here in this market. It's just all about strategy. When you're going into a market, you can't operate this market the same as you would a different market. And that goes for every market across the country. It's a different strategy per market. Um, so what I want to do now is I want to jump back to the high earners. And I do want to look at um, features just quickly because I don't think we need to go into the weeds on occupancy because that really could, um, you know, a story could be told about that for just about any time of the year. And we're going to talk about features. So for for the for our agents on the call that are, are doing this, I want you ladies to tell me a little bit about Scottsdale in a sense of like, okay, um, pool, hot tub, things like that. How often are you seeing them? Because I'm looking at the top earner data and I can see where people are more likely to have that than than not. Um, but when you're you're selling these, are people asking for that? When people are coming here, are they really wanting that? Let's talk about that first. So pools, I think, are just easier to come by in this market because a lot of properties do have pools already, especially if you're looking at a non-HOA single family home. A lot of times those are built like the three and four bedrooms. A lot of times those were built some time ago and somebody somewhere has put a pool in. Arizona, we do have uh, smaller pools, typically like play pools. Um, so it's not going to be like a huge ginormous pool that's going to you know cost a ton of money to maintain usually. So yeah, I think pools are easier to come by. Hot tubs are a little less frequent, but um, I do. I love a good hot tub. And since the since the market is so busy um, in the wintertime, you know, the kids love the pool. And I think uh, I love the hot tub um, so you can get in there at night. It's it's warm enough during the day for the pool and cool enough at night for the That's hot tub. That's awesome. So there's definitely an edge in the market with that. So that's why I was asking, because this is all the top earners and the features they have. And, you know, in this market, more than 50% in each bedroom size of a top earning single family home has a pool. So I think a strategy here, if you're trying to become that top earner, whether you're a cottage, you know, or you're in, in, in the splash pool, even, I'm not even saying it has to be a huge pool, but whether you're a cottage or you're a 15 bedroom, a pool will give you an edge in this market. I can say that with confidence based on the data. And I can also say with confidence based on the data that almost all the time in a hot tub will give you a clear advantage in this market. Uh, it's less prevalent in the one bedrooms and the three bedrooms. But, um, you know, in almost all of these cases, we can see that these top earners have pools and hot tubs. So definitely a huge advantage if either you are budgeting for that, which is really hard on a short term rental to put it in after because then you have people staying there and there's construction. It's just kind of a mess. But if you're looking and make it part of your criteria, um, if it's within budget, I think it's a really great, great move in this market. And, you know, that's not for every market. Another thing I'm noticing here is strategy. So strategy stuff are things like pet-friendly, um, event-friendly, that type of thing. Um, from a strategy perspective, I do see that the pet-friendly strategy does have an advantage here in this market for the smaller properties. So if you're in like a five-bedroom or smaller, 
allowing pets does give you an edge in this market, especially if you're a one, two or three bedroom, um, even four, like there's a massive advantage there for the top earners. And the reason we talk about that now before you invest is because there are a lot of places where it's hard to become pet friendly after the fact. So if you have carpeting in your house and you didn't budget to pull that out when you bought it, um, and that's not something you did. The last thing you want to do is start allowing people's dogs in there, peeing on carpets, things like that. Like it's just not a great strategy. But knowing this going into it, you can plan um a budget to put in the tile or the laminate floors or whatever you're gonna do, get rid of all the carpet. Uh, make sure you have a little fenced area in the backyard, make sure the HOA allows for that before you buy it. So if you're going into those smaller homes, that's the strategy. Especially when we looked at, there's a lot of three and fours out there. If we're still going to buy a three or a four, we want every single advantage we can get because we are operating in a competitive product. So that I would say with confidence in the smaller homes definitely gives you the edge. Um, I'd like to look at the events strategy as well, because in some markets, there's a clear advantage to doing that. And I just don't see it here in Scottsdale um, as even for the larger homes, actually, none of the larger homes that are a nine plus um, that are top earners are even allowing events. So I don't know if it's a regulatory thing there or it's just uh, people are choosing not to operate their home that way. But there's no clear advantage here if you make your home event friendly, um, although the same could be said for the opposite is that since no one else is doing it, if you were going to do it, you'd probably be one of the very few offering your property up for things like corporate retreats and stuff like that. Um, so that could be a strategy as well. What do you ladies think about the whole event thing out there? What are you seeing with people in these larger homes? Um, what are they doing with that? So I think, I mean, there's so many events going on in town. They might be coming for an event, but this might be a market where like they're here to do something in town or go to an event in town that they aren't necessarily booking the Airbnb to host an event there. Yeah, that's that's what I would think. I would, and about your comment about like, maybe it sets you apart to have an event or host an event. Um, I would think one of like a more secluded, more private property, or maybe one of those properties that had um, the backdrop, the landscapings and on that, and that little mountain range, maybe you could get one that backed up, you know, if it, if it, your budget supported it, maybe you could get one that had a uh, backed up to the state land um, that had a really cool backdrop for like pictures and things like that for yeah. events. So that could be a strategy if that was your, you know, property type. Um, but I think as far as the properties, like in the dense part of town, you're here for an event, but you're probably not booking to host an event. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense. And I just keep thinking about those properties mm-hmm. we looked at in the beginning that are so gorgeous. Like if you did, if you did open those for events, I could see influencers renting those out and like, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're so Instagrammable um, oh. with that view in the back. It's insane. Like they're gorgeous. It really is a beautiful market. So you I want to jump. Oh, go ahead. I said, you want one. I can tell. I do. I want <laughs> one like right now. So I want to talk a little bit about strategy again in this market, in the high earners. Um, you know, I don't know how many people listening really like to kind of just manage themselves um, there's kind of really not a huge advantage or disadvantage to self-managing or manager managing in this market because it's almost a, a pretty even, there's slightly an edge if you use a professional manager as a top earner. Um, we see here that 54% of the top earners are using a manager um, for the single family homes and 45% of the top earners are self-managing. So, you know, there's not like a huge advantage, but at the end of the day, I mean, it really comes down to your personal preference and strategy. I I don't buy real estate for a second job. um, So I always want to have someone manage it, but you know, 
Uh, it doesn't seem like it makes a difference. We do see some markets where there's a clear advantage to using a manager and versus self-managing. I think because Scottsdale is one of those markets, and correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, because I'm just kind of inferring this, but um, and I've been there, and it seems like it's such a big enough market. There's a lot of opportunity to find good cleaners, um, good staff, good things like good people to come help. Whereas, like in mountain markets, it's like so hard to find, like Blue Ridge, for example, like it's really hard to find those people that um, can, you know, a good cleaner that can get out there if you're at the top of a mountain. So I feel like Scottsdale, you could have more um, opportunities to self-manage versus having to rely on a local person who has all those contacts already. Um, so those of you that are doing this because you want to become a self-manager, maybe this could be a great market for you um, because there is opportunity here to have success as a self-manager if you don't live by the property. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, okay. I don't think that you'll ever go without the help that you need. It, you know, cancellations happens, life happens, cleaners miss cleans, but there's so many people that are available in, in our market to help out or lend a helping hand that I don't, it's never been an issue in my experience. Great. So I want to jump to Phoenix if we're okay with that. And um, I think Phoenix is a market that we want to talk a little bit about, let me go ahead here. Oh, it's, I don't have patience. I reload things too fast. So let me go ahead. For those of you listening, I'm loading my screen up to Phoenix right now. Okay. So I'm just going to look at the high earners in Phoenix at the moment. And I want to switch to condo for this market because I feel like we focused a lot on single family. And I really want to switch to condo for the Phoenix market and look at where's the top earners in Phoenix. Um, for those of you that maybe you just don't want to commit to a single family home and you need a product out here for, for that. So I'm looking at Phoenix and I see here, we have um, a little cluster going on, a nice little cluster here of top earners. And for those of you listening, I am on, on my map. Um, and I'm zeroing in on this area of Phoenix where there's just like something happening here. And I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of top earners in one small cluster. And it looks Smack like dab in, in downtown Phoenix. <laughs> okay. It's, this is the downtown area. Yeah. Okay, great. So the downtown area of Phoenix next to the footprint center, just to the West of it seems to have just a lot of high earning condos here. So I don't know what they go for. You know, you want to talk to your agent about that because prices are always changing. Um, but this is an awesome little spot here. If you're like, you know, I don't know where to buy as far as a condo goes, looks like you have opportunity to get it right here because people like this location. I'm assuming ladies, this is walkable down here. Yes. Okay, great. So it's a, a nice little walkable downtown area. I want to go ahead. There's like some three threes and we have some four fours and we have, let's see what else we have. Um, let me make sure I'm on condo and not sing. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm on condo. Perfect. So let's jump into one other uh, top earning area where I saw another cluster because I kind of want to know what's going on there too. Give me one second. I saw kind of some over here by the Phoenix Indian Medical Center um, to the west of it and to the north of it. And, and there's also a Hayden Veterans Affairs Medical Center. So there's medical stuff here. And I also see top earners. Is there a possibility, uh, because there is an extended stay right up the street, is there a possibility that there's a strong midterm strategy here as well next to these uh, medical centers? Because I do see midterm activity happening. And of course, midterm doesn't have as much competition as short-term rental. But I do see like around it, there, there's opportunity. Um, have you ladies seen anything about that around here? Yeah, I was trying to find where St. Joe's Hospital is. Um, that's a, oh, so the Phoenix Country Club is not far away. Yeah, that's that's an area that's, you know, it's highly concentrated for medical needs. So, you know, may, maybe people that are admitted into the hospitals or family members tend to want to stay in those areas for, for the convenience. 
Right. Yeah, okay. Perfect. This makes sense. Cause I just clicked on one and it's taking me to furnish finder. And so furnish finder does a lot of midterm stuff. Um, and I, the reason I like this and I want to talk about it is because there's a lot of people right now that they want options. And if the short-term rental strategy, maybe for them, they feel like it's, it's not working for me or I don't like it, they can switch to the midterm rental strategy. And you can do this in an affordable price point um, because it's condo. And, you know, we have these two, three bedrooms. This is a really great strategy here for those people that want to get into a two, three bedroom condo, want the flexibility between a short-term rental because you do have the country club here. Um, so it looks like there would be a lot of reasons for people to stay here on a short-term basis, but you have like a lot of medical activity. And for those people that don't understand the medical stays, um, there's a lot going on with medical stays. People often will fly into a market just to go to a hospital for specific surgeries. Sometimes they're there with their whole family for a few weeks at a time, sometimes longer than a month. Um, so those those short-term rental stays near hospitals are actually very valuable. And they serve a huge niche in the market that a lot of people don't even know exists. So I think that's a really cool strategy there for those of you looking to do condo. Um, is this is this the Mayo Clinic where this is, guys? Or is that, no, is that for- this is more by Phoenix Children's Hospital, which is oh, okay. very large. Um, you could see that down south by the 51 freeway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So the VA clinic is is in that area that specifically had that cluster. So there's a lot of hospital activity in that in that particular section of Phoenix. Yeah, there sure is. There's the there's the children's hospital, like you just said, and there is a lot of top earners. I turned on the single families too in the townhouses because I wanted to see everything. And when I did that, I see even more. So yeah, this is an awesome spot. And I would feel secured investing here because knowing that there's three major hospitals just in this little triangle area um, in the North Phoenix area. uh, That's a lot of security for the future. If like anyone doesn't want to do short-term rental anymore, they want to switch to to midterm, it's there because we see it happening. I'm just taking a look at the midterm stays. And for midterms, um, this is actually a lot of activity for midterm that I'm seeing on the map. So definitely a strategy here that you might want to, if you're listening, you might want to explore this market, not just for short-term rental, but also for a solid um, secured midterm strategy uh, backed by the whole medical industry. So that's kind of my take on that. Let's jump into some numbers. Avery, I don't know how much time we have, so I want to be sensitive to that, but I'm looking at condo. When you guys see like a 12 bedroom condo on here, this is an MLS issue. So just ignore that. But we're looking mainly at studio, one bedroom, two bedroom and three bedroom condos right now. Um, four is not as mu- as many. We do get more revenue with those, but there's not as many four bedroom condos. So let's focus on the most popular product um, and our high earners. So I can see here the revenues about for a two bedroom condo, 50,000 and the gross revenue for a high earning three bedroom condo in Phoenix is 63,000. Keep in mind too, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but and I want you ladies to validate this or let me know if I'm wrong. Um, but I would imagine Phoenix is always going to be a little bit less expensive of a market than Scottsdale. Is that accurate or am I a little off with that? No, it's accurate. I mean, okay, Scottsdale, perfect. you're playing Scottsdale prices. Okay, perfect. So in Phoenix, um, even though the the gross income is slightly lower than what we were seeing in Scottsdale, you're also paying less um, in most cases. So keep that in mind that um, it's really not about like, is the income as much as over there? You also have to consider in any market, no, no matter when you're listening to this, um, the income versus the purchase price you're paying at the moment, right? So um, at the moment, Phoenix is less expensive than Scottsdale. So revenues are a little less, but still really good. I mean, three bedrooms, 63K for a condo, 
that's pretty solid. Um, I would say we see that in a lot of markets and that um, a lot of bigger markets. And furthermore, if you switch to that midterm rental strategy, there is less competition. So that's always interesting. Let's go look at the most competitive condo product. I'm going to take a guess and just say it's two because it's usually always two bedrooms in any market. Um, just give me a minute while this updates and we'll see here what those products are showing. So yeah. Oh, it's actually one. I was wrong. So very interesting. So in the Phoenix market uh, for condos, the most competitive product that we have the most saturation on is those are those one bedroom condos. I thought it would have been the two. The two is right behind it. There's, there's not, it's only a percent difference, um, but there's actually just slightly more one bedroom, more one bedroom condo inventory than two. So a studio or a three bedroom condo, if you were looking to avoid the most competitive condo product might be interesting because there's very little of those out there. Um, so if you picked up a studio, a couple studios, even um, let's say you were originally going to do a two bedroom, why not just pick up a couple studios instead? Since it's a less competitive product, then you can book um, instead of just booking out 365 nights a year. Now you can book um, that times two. So the same amount of money, you're now booking double the amount of nights with two products that have less competition. So for me, that'd be an interesting strategy in this market especially picking them up in the medical area. Um, if I was doing the medical area though, I'd probably try to go for a three um, because often people will travel with their family. Um, and I do think that it's important to think about who your guest is going to be. Okay. So what are your late, what are you ladies thinking about this? Now we're only looking at condo, um, but are you surprised by this or does this make sense to you? I think we're all like, oh, wow. She's just like, I know. This whole, honestly, whole the one bedroom is like <laughs> mind blowing, but that's really amazing to know. I would have never guessed, honestly. Cool. Great. Yeah. So now we know and uh, we can kind of focus on a strategy around that. Let's jump to, I mean, we can jump to features, but these are going to be mostly um, amenities because in a condo, we're really not going to see a condo that has its own pool or anything like that. But from an amenity perspective, obviously most of these places, more than half of them as a high earner have pools in the community. They have sometimes hot tubs. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're buying that condo community, just make sure you're looking at what amenities they have because the high earners do are, are most likely more than 50% of the time located in communities that have pools and you want to give yourself every advantage possible. Um, especially the one bedroom or the studios, uh, especially the studios, 66% of them are located in pool communities. Um, we don't see a strong pet strategy here. And again, the four and the twelves, we're going to ignore that because I do think it's MLS inventory leaking its way in here. Um, we love when people put things in MLS wrong because it always makes our job more, more difficult to find them. Uh, but we're going to focus on those studios, ones, twos, and threes. And it's, you know, not a super strong strategy. And that makes sense because when you're in a condo, you have more restrictions around that. And it's a lot harder for people to travel with pets. Um, so I, I really want to leave that here. We'll jump real quick, actually, to the management strategy here. Um, we do one see thing about the condos yeah. and the amenities. <laughs> yes, please. So in the, especially in that little triangle of hospitals, um, I was looking at your, your numbers here for dryers. Not all condos have a uh, washer and dryer in the unit. But if you're looking to maybe to do a midterm and and to have um, longer stays in your condo and you're going for a three bedroom, I would look carefully for ones that had a washer and dryer in the unit. Um, because if you're if you're staying longer, you want to be able to do your own laundry. You know, that is such an important piece of information. And this is why to everybody listening, you need a good agent, because what she just told you is enormous. Like, I didn't even think to talk about that. Um, but that data is here and we are looking at it. And she's absolutely right. Because now that I think about it, 
Um, if it were me booking that to stay for two months, I certainly would not be wanting to use a community washer and dryer. I mean, so, that's one of the massive huge. differences between getting a hotel room and getting an Airbnb is being able to do your laundry on site. You know? yeah. the- so thank you. That's a really valid piece of information. Uh, okay. So we'll jump to management strategy. And then if you ladies want to jump in and take over and talk about anything else, please feel free. Um, I do see a strong owner strategy here. It, actually, I'm in all percentiles. Let me switch to my high earners real quick um, because I want to go back and I want to see as far as like high earner condos go, are people more likely to owner manage or are they more likely to use a manager and see what that looks like? Oh, okay. It's a very different story. So when we jump to high earners, people are 70% more likely to use a manager then manage it themselves. So, so those of you that want to self-manage, yeah, you could. 30% of the, the high earners are um, that our condos are managed by um, owners, but more than likely, you're going to want to find a strong manager in this market because seems to be um, a trend here that managers can more likely make your property a success than just an owner by themselves. And um, that's all I've got really to touch on for for this market. I, I'd love to hear some feedback from you, ladies, and like what are the secret, uh, you know, secret sauce behind what we, you know, just the data itself, because the data can get us pretty far, as you've seen. But we still want you, as our on the ground team, to know, like, okay, what are the the juicy things that the data couldn't tell us? What do you guys think? I learned a lot for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love all that. I'm a I'm a data numbers nerd, so it's just it's fascinating. I love it. I've always figured that the areas around the hospitals, specifically, you know, Phoenix Children's, that's like a really big one. I always figured they do well. But again, when you're when you're actually seeing it in black and white on the screen and and you can kind of see how it's performing, it it puts things in a lot more perspective. Um, Just knowing, like directing people for for midterm rentals, like those, in fact, really are good areas to kind of be in or look into. Great. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I think you guys have a lot of opportunity here in this market. I learned a lot myself because I've never spent a lot of time underwriting this market like we have today. So um, I'm glad we all learned something today. And for those of you listening, I do feel confident about this market, having dug into it more and really zeroing in on some um, alternate strategies than just a traditional short-term rental too. I mean, it's great for that as well. We looked at that, kind of fell in love with those those hillside houses out there, they're just unbelievable. Um, but from an investment standpoint too, I really like your mid, your midterm stuff you have going on here. So thank you guys for letting me dig into this with you. And um, it was a great opportunity to learn more about this. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. What a wealth of information. And uh, listeners, if you guys are ready to potentially buy something with Leslie and Jessica in the Scottsdale market, you can email us at agents at the shop.com and we'll get you connected. Or if you just kind of want to hang out and talk short-term rentals, you can do that with us in our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Same title as my book behind me. We also have a live Q&A call every Thursday where you can hop on and talk to us and ask us any questions that you have about short-term rentals. You can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Thanks, guys.